the context of the question in a way was about like growing up in wrestling and seeing wrestling a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll defend it till the day I die. I don't think it was wrong. I don't think I, I, I don't think it was wrong at all. My supervisors had my back. It went to very, very high up people at ESPN, I was told. Uh, and they had like meetings about it. But I will always, you know, th- and those are the things, those are the things that um that come with the job. If I if I ran, if we ran like a Becky Lynch VO instead of a Charlotte Flair VO, that's just a mistake. Me putting up on the screen that she's Ric Flair's daughter, then having her tweet out to her millions of followers. I don't even know how many likes she got on that tweet. I could find it right now. I looked at it because I had the social one at work the other day because I mentioned it to them. <laughs> it was like 100,000 something likes on that tweet. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my, oh my God, these, these people think I'm an awful person. When you've been in this business as long as I have, you come across so many people, whether you work with them for five minutes or five years. And some people touch you, some people don't. It is what it is. Well, my guest today is somebody who I've been blessed to stay in contact with since leaving ESPN seven years ago. Me and this gentleman worked together, and I remember we met at a party, which we'll get into in this conversation, and we just clicked right away. He was somebody that was always there. We lived in the same apartment complex. And when it was time for me to move, guess who was right there? Without a doubt, without hesitation, he helped me pack the truck to do so. And we've been able to stay in contact as we're both, um, you know, active on social media and huge baseball fans. Um, Jake Del Morrow, ladies and gentlemen, is a gentleman who left the world of sports. He was a great producer. But he decided it was time to leave. So he comes on today's episode. He's going to talk about that, why he decided to leave and pursue a different career in personal training and physical fitness. So sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation. Of course, we're going to share some ESPN great stories and some horror stories. Hey, wrestler fans, you remember the time when ESPN posted about Charlotte Flair? just being rick flair's daughter <laughs> well listen to this episode and then stay tuned as i have a special announcement at the end but ladies and gentlemen here's my conversation with jake del Morrow. all right ladies and gentlemen on the line today i am super excited i get to talk to a good brother of mine all the way back from the connecticut days you know when you work at a place like ESPN, a big place, you know, so many people, and then you meet so many people. But then afterwards, you know, when you go on your separate ways, you always keep in contact with a handful. Unfortunately, you don't keep in contact with everybody. Um, but social media, you you see what everybody's doing. But this brother right here, my boy Jake Damaro, man, Jake and I, we tend to keep in contact and that's one of the things that i'm happy about so i'm happy to welcome him online jake how you doing man good bud i'm good bud you didn't mention that we lived in the same place and that's how we all got to it was pretty funny you know we lived in that same uh well we lived in stonemont oh boy yeah (laughs) stonemont at the at the what was the name of the oh my god i ain't been up there (laughs) that's a that's a that's a crazy memory those places yeah man Um, you know i'm good man i'm good i'm glad to be on the pod finally you know I saw a couple of people. I saw Cash do it one day. So I'm uh I'm glad to be here, man. You know that my big bro and you've always been there. And 
you know, like you said, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of people that you keep in touch with once you leave. You know, you'll always have, you know, it's like a fraternity up there. It's a secret society in a way, <laughs> you know, where, you yeah. know, like a Goodfellas type thing where only they know what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. You weren't working the overnight shifts, you know, if you were doing like a nine to five at a bank, like you're not working those 3 a.m.s. You're not doing that. You used to do Mike and Mike and all that shift, <laughs> not doing those. So, you know, those are the people that you really, you know, relate to and keep in touch with. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting when you, when you look back at the lives we, at the lives we live, uh, and you, you know, you have those people that are still in touch and it, it feels good. Yeah. You know, especially like you said, just working those, those hours or, you know, being there, um, and working in sports in general, because, you know, we look at it from a different eye now. I'm pretty sure if you watch in Sports Center or even uh, FS1, you're looking at it with a different eye than you looked at it growing up, you know. Um, and you, somebody who worked in so many different places, which we'll get into, um, you just have that different views, uh, view. And then you can talk to people because, like, we can tell people what it's like, but unless you lived it, they yeah. won't understand. So. Um, that's the thing that, you know, I look back on and I think about those good old times, you know, like you said, I mean, this guy, folks, he helped me pack up <laughs> the day before pack I up. moved back to Baltimore. Rainy, rainy day helped you yep. pack up uh, off the bigger and, and better things uh, <laughs> back home. And yeah. Um, yeah, man. You know, it, and it's hard because you see, you see people leave mm-hmm. and you know that they're not coming back and yeah. they're not, you know, it's not like summer vacation in high school. It's like, oh, I'll see you guys next year. It's like, I may never see you again. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, now you're in Baltimore and I'll always come down and I'll see you. But, you know, if you move to, I don't know, some people move to like Wyoming to be on yeah. TV. Like, I'll never see you again. <laughs> so it's weird. It's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird place like that, ESPN. But yeah, you know, helping people move and helping people leave. It's just a, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird place like that. Yeah, especially when, you know, so for me, I didn't go away to college. So that was like going away to college for me. You exactly. Know? Same here. Yep. I yeah, went to college go- 20 minutes from home. Yep. That was, that was a big boy move. That was, wow, we're going, you know, listen, two and a half hours for me isn't far, but at the same time, it's not 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I went to Montclair. It's, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is a trip. This is a five hour round trip. Yeah. And see, me, it was five hours away. So I had right. to make yeah. sure, you know, I would always leave late at night or early in the morning just so I could have my day, you know, and then um, leave. Like, soon as I, like, say, I would work the highlight shift. I would leave as soon as highlights was over. And by the time I got home, my wife and the kids got packed, you know, most of the time it'd be like one o'clock in the morning, maybe two, get home about seven, eight. You know, one of us, most of the time she would drive, so I would sleep. So then I'd get up, hang out with my friends uh, and family, and then stay in Baltimore literally till about six or seven o'clock on that Sunday or whatever, and then come back home. So I was always trying to maximize my time. You know, so, same here. It would be, um, you know, I was obviously closer, like I said, so I would, you know, wake up. It's been now, depending on the day. So if I woke up on a, on a Tuesday morning, be like, we're leaving at 830. Cause then we won't hit that so much that New York city, New Jersey traffic. We'll get home about 10 45, leave around like seven. So we don't hit that, you know, that rush hour traffic. So really it, it's kind of like being a producer in a way. We got to time everything out perfectly to, you know, to, to manage everything, just time management, you know, with, with friends, family, you, you want to max, like you said, maximize your, your time at home. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so yeah, like I said, you know, I'm happy uh we getting a chance to talk because you know, one first and foremost, happy you doing well, bro. Yeah, man. Uh doing well, man. Doing uh doing real well. You know, I'm out of the game, as you know. I've uh I've retired from the media life, but you know, I'm doing really well. I know we'll get into everything that happened and whatnot, but yeah, man, do doing great. You know, I'm a personal trainer now at Equinox. It's a gym, it's a health fitness club. Um just went on that new endeavor but yeah i mean like and like you said before you know uh watching you know i'm like an old retired athlete watching game film watching old film and you watch gspn and mm-hmm. Fox, like no 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 don't put that bar there put that there don't look <laughs> why are you going that no ah god damn <laughs> yep <laughs> but uh yeah man doing real well excited to be here like i said um just chopping it up with you you know uh so let's get into it baby yeah, so um, you know, Montclair State University, that's where you went. How long did you know? Like when did you know that you wanted to get into the media business? Oh, since I was like five. Mm-hmm. I would wake up and we you know we grew up in the golden era of sports center. <laughs> Stu and Rich Eisen and Steve and all those guys, Dan Patrick, Keith Olbermann. It's crazy that you say their first names because you know some of them. It's just mm-hmm. weird. um yeah, you grew up in the golden age of that, and you know, I'd wake up five or six in the morning and I'd watch sports center about two or three times before I go to school. Um, you know, you, you, you probably did. It. I know you did it where you'd play like PlayStation and you broadcast your own games. Cause I used to do it all the time. Exactly. So that's the, you know, and you know, you just knew, you know, a lot of people don't really know what they want to do when they get old. You no, know, everybody says, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a baseball player. I want to be a policeman. I want to, you're probably not going to do that. You know, I wanted to do this and I did it. It's crazy. I've known since I was a little kid and yeah, it was my, so my favorite, uh, my dad always tells a story. So my favorite character on Sesame street was guy smiley. Wasn't Elmo guy smiley was like the TV host of the, of the shows and whatever. That's probably was a sign from there, but yeah, from a very young age, I, uh, I knew this is what I wanted to get into. Yeah, and how'd you choose um, your college? Well, I applied to three. You probably know what one of them is. Obviously, I'm a big Florida State guy. <laughs> um, I didn't get into Florida State, which turned out to be a blessing. Um, and I did a broadcasting camp with actually Iron Eagle at Montclair State. Okay. And I saw their facilities, and it was excellent. Um, and it's like I said, it's 20 minutes away from home. So I said, hey, you know, this, this is a perfect fit. We're close to home. We can live at home sometimes. We can live on campus. Plus, this is a great, you know, we're 15 minutes from New York City. Plus, I know you're close with your family. All the advantages we have to the, you know, to the hub of media right there. So it was was really a no-brainer. Like I said, once I didn't get into Florida State, and it was, you know, like I said, a a blessing in disguise. No-brainer, went to Montclair, uh, did the four-and-a-half-year plan. (laughs) Um, But, uh, (laughs) yeah. I chose Montclair and I ended up getting an internship out in uh, CBS. So Westwood one, um, you probably listened to them on the radio in terms of NCAA tournament. Yeah. NFL. Um, that's how, you know, all NFL games are broadcasting on um, Westwood one. Uh, so I got an internship there and that was through Montclair actually. So we had a class um, with a technician operator from Westwood one. And I had a class there. So a, a woman came and spoke one day, and her name was Jana Denneroff. 
and turns out, oh, you know, her husband runs CBS, you know, radio sports and it's like, oh, okay. Um, hey, Johnny, you know, I'd love to talk to you and talk to your husband. Sure. Turns out they live in my town. They, they live in Springfield, New Jersey. The head of CBS Sports Radio lives in my town. Um, made a relationship from there, got, a, got an internship, and then, you know, Montclair State was a blessing, like I said, was as I said. And then, you know, my, my career just continued from there. Wow, man, that's amazing. Yeah, so, it's pretty, pretty funny how things work out like that. You know, you dream school, Florida State. I want to go see, you know, home of Peter Warwick and those guys, but didn't work out that way. And it was a good thing. Yeah. So then you, uh, so is this next up, was that patch.com uh, where you were be a sports writer? Yeah. So I worked at CBS. I became an operations supervisor, that same job that that woman had who, who ran our class. So as I was doing that, um, which was, that was basically just, you know, tech support for um, radio and nationally, nationally syndicated shows. Uh, I know SE Cup did a show. Um, I'm pretty, you know, I'm thinking about it. Will might have done a show. Will Kane might have done a show. I'm not too sure about that. Oh, wow. We'll get to Will later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was writing for the patch there. I was... Uh, covering high school, local sports, um, writing a couple columns. You know, I, I wrote for the newspaper at Montclair as well uh, for three years, did sports, um, covered the soccer teams. And I was lucky enough to go to Montclair at a time when they were really good. So they were conference champs. They went to the final four. And, you know, it was really, you know, writing has always been a passion of mine. More so, I think, than, you know, television media. Print okay. always, you know, I just like writing. So, yeah, I was doing that on the side. And that was going well. You know, I was... 25, 30 bucks an article. You know, so I'd, I'd hustle, try to get like five or six a week, try to, you know, hit those tennis, high school tennis matches or high school swimming. It didn't matter regardless. I was trying to be there. Um, yeah. And I feel like that helped me, you know, in terms of, you know, the job I got into at ESPN, which we'll get into later in terms of writing, in terms of, you know, word selection and word usage. Um, yeah. So that was all going on at the time of CBS. Now, one thing I want to uh, talk to you about is uh, sports knowledge, because, you know, with the wealth of the sports background, um, one of the things that I said for me when I was working in sports is I wish growing up I would have did more, um, take more time to learn other sports such as hockey, soccer and tennis, as opposed to a lot of the stuff I actually learned on the job. How much how many sports did you have under your belt? that you could confidently say you knew, uh, you know, kind of the rules and the history of? Right off the rip, NFL, college football, uh, college basketball, NBA, obviously Major League Baseball. I played soccer my whole life, so I understood it. Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't a diehard fan, but I understood the game. I understood, you know, the big players. I was actually a big hockey fan growing up because the Devils, that was when they were really good. Okay. Then they kept having strikes, and I just – I fell off. But, yeah, I, I mean – I tried to have a well-rounded base, but at the same time, there's just so much. There's just so much. We, <laughs> it's just so much sports. I can't. I can't dedicate my life to, to you know. Like I said, I know the casual tennis players. I know the casual golf. You know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But you know, it, it's it's hard, and um, it it kind of stunts you a bit in, in terms of you know where you go in your career. That's why I try to tell people learn as much as you can about anything. I, I don't care what it is. Just put it on. MLB Network, 
turn on NHL network, anything, just put it on, mm-hmm. put it on and watch for a little bit, put on sports center. So watch for some sports, <laughs> put, on, <laughs> you know, put on, just put on different channels, read different articles. Just try to, you know, just read the rules of a sport one day. Yeah. It's only going to help you. It's not going to hurt you. Are you planning a huge celebration and perhaps you need some balloons to make your event look nice? Well, I have the perfect place for you and a symphony of balloons. Symphony of balloons will do all events, including baby showers, weddings, birthday parties, or that special anniversary. Contact them today at 410-802-1531 or Email them at symphonyofballoons at gmail.com and tell them Brian H. Waters sent you. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. I don't think a lot of people um, really understand, you know, when I try to explain that to people. Uh, they're like, oh, okay, you know, because, you know, I mean, the big three, um, you know, especially like where I'm at has always been baseball, basketball, football, you know, with us in Baltimore having, you know, baseball and a football team and then, Everybody here is either Wizards fans, Lakers fans, or whoever's hot at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm lucky enough where you know New York was, you know, it's New York City. It's right. You know, that's it's like you know Boston, Chicago, those Philly, where all four sports matter. Mm-hmm. If the Rangers are hot, they're hot. If the Knicks are hot, that's the. I, mean, I try to explain to people like Jets, Giants, Yankees. If the Knicks are hot, New York City is bumping it is crazy that's all they want is for the Knicks to be good in basketball so we're I was lucky enough to grow up around all four sports where like you said three major sports I know people from Pittsburgh who only have three they have no idea basketball so mm-hmm. yeah it really depends on the region you grew up in and luckily like I said I grew up in a, in a great sports region you grew up in a region heavily in, in you know they love the Orioles down there that's probably yeah. their number one team that's I mean in terms of the Ravens, Ravens have gotten a lot bigger but they love their Orioles down there. Yeah, and, and, and you know, people here, it seems, so walking around the city, the Ravens are, have taken over, um, yeah. you know, they call it a football town. But it's also, too, when you look at the investment that Steve Bashotti puts into the team, when you think about the Ravens, you don't think about too many losing seasons. And within their, since 96, 25, 26 years of existence, they've probably had about, you know, they've had less than 50% losing seasons, you know, so oh. they built a winner where the Orioles had a 15 year drop off and you think like, wow, you know, and then when that year, when 2012 happened, um, that's when it felt like we had two teams in the city again, when you started seeing places that had Baltimore, you have the bird, both of the bird mascots. And I'm like, y'all know they've been here. It's just, uh, and now it's kind of slipping that way again. Um, but you know, you you're Jets, Mets, right? You follow yeah. Jets, Mets, yeah. Nets, Islanders. I uh, see, like I, I was a devil guy. Oh, yeah, they're the devils, devils. That's Jersey, right. <laughs> I was a devil guy, but you know, I I if there's one team I hate, and I don't know why I hate them, it's the Rangers. Just hate the Rangers. Okay. <laughs> no reason. I just hate them. That's really, I mean, I, I wish I could say I like them. Sorry, Ranger fans that listen to this, but I just hate you. <laughs> now, how did you become a Florida State fan? Uh, well, you know, because you're around my age, uh, Peter Warwick mm-hmm. is the greatest football player I, I've ever seen. College, I mean, he was uh, 
he was special. I, I need you, you young youngins on this podcast to Google Peter Warwick. Mm-hmm. And that, those late 90s, 90s teams in general, but Chris Winkie, Travis Minor, Ron Dugans, Peter Warwick, all those guys just, man, they were, and they were always on TV all the time. And plus Rutgers, you know, outside of like three years, Rutgers wasn't ever a good football school. Okay. And the Northeast in general is in a college football area. Yeah. So we have a lot of Miami fans. You have a lot of Michigan fans, a lot of Florida State fans, a lot. So, you know, I just latched on to this team that was always on TV and had this one guy who was the most electrifying thing I've ever seen in sports. At that time, I was, you know, I was like, wow, this guy does it all. He's unbelievable. And you know, it's, luckily, I, you know, I saw some good times. I saw some really bad times, but especially right now. But I, I'm lucky to be a Florida State fan, no doubt. Yeah. Man, that's that's pretty awesome. Now, when you um, so let's go back to your career, uh, Dow Global. What was that like? What was it like working there? So that was, I should have reiterated before, but that was basically the same thing as, as Westwood One. They changed their name okay. and changed it back. It's I know whole thing. So I was there doing that tech stuff, and that helped me with radio in terms of sports. That was great because I got to work on NFL, college basketball, and. You got to see what that was my first real insight in production in terms of ah, how they put a game on the radio, how they work their boards, their master boards as opposed to television and what they do with their, you know, potting up systems and basically master control. That's all radio is really is master control. You pop up the mic, you pop down the mic, you play the commercial, you don't play the commercial. You're, you're everything in there. You control everything. So watching that and looking back at that um, was was really cool. And I don't know if he's going to listen, but you know who I started with there, right? Ooh. Oh, the one and only baby Ryan Staloff. Oh. <laughs> uh, Wait, so uh, y'all started there and y'all started at ESPN together. So we, <laughs> so advanced the career a little. So I, I left Dial Global. It was just, you know, I was, I was young. I was 22. And I was like, listen, all my friends are going out to the bars and mm-hmm. I'm stuck working until midnight or one. And, you know, I, I left and I was like, I'm going to keep trying to pursue this writing. Uh, Ryan left a little before me and he went to go work for NFL in California. But after that, I went to MLB Network. And guess who started a month before me in MLB Network? <laughs> Ryan Staloff. And, um, and we'll get into ESPN later, but guess who started three weeks before me to ESPN? Ryan Staloff. And so wait, y'all met in the business, but not y'all didn't grow up together. No. We uh we met at Westwood One. Um, then we just he says I follow him. I I call BS on that. Well, we, I know we, I just we, we know Ryan. Shout out to Ryan. <laughs> you know, um, these are just places I want to go to. But you know, on top of that, I don't think I've ever seen anyone work harder than him ever. Mm-hmm. He puts his heart and soul into work, so it's been good watching him. You know, grow you know, as I'm outside now. But yeah, we started together and we went. Went to MLB Network after that, which was an interesting, uh, that was an interesting place to work. That's when I really started feeling a little different about the industry. Okay, because, yeah, I'm wondering about that. You know, me being um, a huge baseball fan, you know, in my circles, I'm usually the biggest shout out to my brother, Hugh, also. We, um, We essentially became the best of friends because we were both two black kids that was going to a Catholic school that loved baseball. And oh, wow, that's a lot, of, uh, that's a lot of parameters. <laughs> yeah, like we both love baseball and love Ken Griffey Jr. 
And uh, Griffey, Alomar, Randy Johnson, like those were our guys, you feel me? So, um, you know, so that's one of the things. So like MLB Network was kind of like one of those places, like for me, if it wasn't ESPN, MLB Network was like a goal. So, you know, tell me about it. Yeah. So um, you mentioned baseball, MLB Network. And when I say that's all they cared about, I'm not, I'm dead serious. There was one time. I had, excuse me, I'll never forget. It was the Pacers Cavs in 2013, I think was the series. And I had it on in my editing room because it was different than ESPN. We each had our own editing room. Basically, you know how we had our rooms like D1, D2, but we had our own night. That's where we cut our highlight in the room. Okay. And I had on that Pacers Cavs game and one of my managers walked in and you only were allowed to have MLB Network or baseball on. So I had this basketball game on because I'm obviously a big basketball fan. He just walked in, shut it off, and walked out. I'm like, ah, great. Um, but, you know, <laughs> you have to be – there There were people there who just – that's all they care about is baseball, 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 nothing else, which I liked. But, you know, it was just so much. But, again, I got to meet people and do things that were so cool, you know. Got to cut cool montages. Got to, got to you know – that was my first real video experience ever. Okay. I didn't do that in college. I that was my first real like, hey man, here's a video cut it of good Adam Jones. I was like, all right, I'll cut a good Adam Jones video. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'll put these pieces of video together. Um, and you again, that was, was really, like the coolest was, uh, person you met while you were there. MLB Network. Uh, well, Harold Reynolds was there. Now was always cool. Uh, Al Leiter, I believe, was there when I when I met him. So that was awesome. Uh, trying to think, there were a couple. I would say those are the two. I think I saw Cliff Floyd walking around the hallways once, so that was dope because I was a Met fan, and he was part of those like oh six, oh seven good teams. But you know, the real famous people came later on. But yeah, MLB was it was cool because you know it, you you really got to do a little more than I did at ESPN. Mm-hmm. Like you got to be creative in many different ways. You were your editor you just sent your final pieces to an editor who just cleared it you dissolved the video you slowed it down you sped it up you did so much and that was really cool about that place is you know they you were in control you were in control and that's always what i'll take away from mlb network is you were just in control of your own stuff and nobody got in your way you know certain places there's too many cooks in the kitchen um <laughs> Tell me but not I'll always, I'll always be thankful for that place. And like I said, that was 25 minutes from home also. It's in Secaucus, New Jersey. Hop right down the turnpike, pop right over. So, again, another close place to home. You know, I'm, I'm spending a lot of money living away. Um, close to my friends where I can go out and do things. You know, I'm a little older now. I'm like 25, 26. So mm-hmm. my priorities are different. But, yeah, MLB was, was a fun place for what it was. It really was. It was just – too much baseball. <laughs> um, which is ironic because then what I did, yeah, what I did at ESPN was all baseball all the time. But you know, uh, it was it was it was a lot. It was a draining amount of baseball. So y'all didn't even have the news on. Well, the only time we had the news on, I'll remember it, uh, was it's tied to baseball. Was the uh, Boston uh, bombings, mm-hmm. Boston Marathon bombings, because that's obviously Patriot Day. And that's yeah. when they play the uh, the Red Sox games like eleven and 
So that's really the only time we, I, I remember, you know, having the news on was watching that and trying to figure out, you know, well, what do we do? This game was supposed to be on our air and how do you cover this? And, you know, that's, that's really the only time I remember. I couldn't even watch Florida State games and, you know, I had to sneak those in on my phone somehow, but, <laughs> you know, that was really the only time I remember the news being on, you know, something different other than baseball was, you know, those, that event, because it was also tied into baseball. Okay. Yeah. I was, you know, just sitting back thinking about it. Um, you know, um, you was at ESPN around this time. We're talking 2015, April to April, May, 2015, the riots that happened in Baltimore. Um, one person I will always appreciate and this probably be um, first time I actually give a producer outside of Marcus Patton a shout out was Tom McCordy, former uh, flag football coach. And actually, we were champions one year, always going to be champions. Oh yeah, battles. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tom DeCordy. He, um, you know, he, you know, I was I'll never forget James Harden had a hell of a game, Rockets playoffs, and I don't remember nothing. Um, because I'm sitting there watching the news and you remember how the newsroom had the TVs up and they always had one on CNN. And when you see Baltimore on fire, it just does something to you psychic. Like, man, like my city, you know, and I'm on my phone the whole time. Uh, shout out to Dietschy, um, who was there. Uh, shout out to Dietschy, man. Yeah. Huh? I just missed that dude, man. Shout out Dietschy. Yeah, we was working together that night. And, you know, it was just weird, man. But I always appreciated, you know, Tom DeCordy, you know, just asking me, was my family okay? Did I check on him? You know, because people don't have to do that. You know, he could have just like, oh, you know, but he knew, like, just kind of knowing the people that you're working with, knowing that, you know, it wasn't like I always had a Baltimore hat on, or, you know, we couldn't wear jerseys. So <laughs> just, you know, kind of getting to know people, you know. Um, so that's what made me say, like, did y'all have the news on um, while you were there? Then you you afterwards um after MLB you went to HBO Sports for a little yeah. bit so that was a quick stay that was a month because that was only for a twenty four seven but it was fun as hell um, yeah. it was the Pacquiao uh, God what was his name he sucked uh, Diaz he wasn't good he <laughs> just fanned out he thought he was hot he okay. wasn't. <laughs> um, but that was cool you know watching all the interviews watching you know just it was, that was more of a you know PA job as well mm-hmm. but I got to meet um. Leaf Schreiber. Oh. That was super dope because that was when Ray Donovan was on. And I was like, hey, man, I love Ray Donovan. That is awesome. He said, oh, thanks, man. And in Ray Donovan voice. So that was, that was, that was pretty cool. But yeah, that was a fun place to, uh, again, a different side of stuff, you know, when you're watching interviews and you're going through interviews as opposed to just cutting video. So that also helped me grow in terms of, okay, here's certain questions to ask. Here's certain ways to piece stuff together in terms of interviews. So that was a good experience. And then that ended because that was just a month. And that's how long it show, took the show to get together. Mm-hmm. Uh, every week we had new video coming in and, and out. And then uh, that was, I think, October 2013. Because that was right like the day after MLB Network, I went there, the day the season ended. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I applied for a job in January 2014. And I... I guess that's where the next part of the the interview comes in. (laughs) Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter Blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of the glare. 
The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. And if you're like me, you're glued twice as much because not only are you doing your nine to five day job, but you're also podcasting and doing other things. Our exposure to digital light has soared and our eyes and our sleep are suffered as a result. Bachelor Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxter's and we know you will feel the difference. What I'm wondering is how the heck did you come in at ESPN as a PACA and not AP because I'm sitting here looking at this experience and I I, I, <laughs> I, I take shots a few times, so bear with me. No, but I'm going to say the arrogance of ESPN of, well, you got to learn how to do things my way in my Vince McMahon voice. Um, <laughs> no. But I'm sitting here listening to all yeah. this experience. I'm not understanding why didn't you come in advanced already? Well, I think you know this, and this isn't really an indictment on ESPN at all. You know, I, I have my beef with them. We'll get into that. But mm-hmm. I, I just think, you know, they want you to come in and prove yourself on their terms, which is fine. Listen, that's ESPN. That's the standard. You know, the standard is a standard there. Mm-hmm. So, and I had media, you know, compared to other kids, listen, I was 26 at the time. Kids coming out of college who were Penn State, Syracuse, yeah. Newhouse, Northwestern, stuff like that. And they were, they were running laps around me, you know, shout out Omar Powell. He was doing stuff for the big 10 network at Michigan state. Just like yeah, killing shout it. out to Omar, <laughs> shout My Baltimore to brother, Baltimore boy. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So when I came in, I was still, you know, you know, wet on the, I was just, you know, wet behind the ears. I was just trying to figure out where I, what I really wanted to do. I didn't even know if I wanted to be a producer or anything. And I just was like, Hey man, I like to cut video and, you know, I worked on radio sometime and, you know, I saw, so I came in kind of uh, just expecting the unexpected. So, Mm -hmm. you know, got the interview, nailed it, I guess. Um, They offered me the job. I'll never forget. I was in the basement. I think I was working out probably, obviously. And uh, Mm -hmm. I got an email from Stacy Williamson. You remember her? Yep. Shout out to Stacy. She's I got the email from Stacy and, I just let a big yell and my grandma rest her soul and her, uh, Jacob, what's the matter? You know, oh, I got the job at ESPN. She had no idea what ESPN was. She's like, oh, great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's, I guess, you know, that's where, that's what happened. I started out you know, just old, but inexperienced in terms of, you know, many younger kids. So I came in at that PA level, CA level. Um, and it, it was humbling. It's humbling when you hop in there and you know you you work at other places and you get an ESPN. It's like, right, hey, do this for me and make sure you know cut me a fifteen second video and I'm going to judge you on that. Mm-hmm. What What are you talking about? You know, I just I just did that MLB network. I was cutting montages three a day, like yeah. banging those things out. And now it's like, well, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Do it like this. Do and it was it was constructive criticism. But obviously, it's still criticism and it humbles you because none of those places match ESPN. 
Um, so when I so when I got there, you know, like you said, I had some I had experience, but it was it wasn't their experience. And not to mention, they put you on an entire different editing system. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, what did you use at um at MLB Network? Do you remember? Oh, man, it was something called like Aurora. I think it, it was okay. like it was only used by them. I, I've only seen it, but it was so simple and so easy to use. I, I mean, I don't know how every place in the world doesn't use it. It was, it was awesome. It was like, okay. you, you get to uh way easier than Quanto. The Q cut. Uh, <laughs> you don't, you don't do anything easy. It's everything. Everything is the opposite of easy. Yeah. When it comes to, when it comes to Quantel, Q cut. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was like you said, it's different coming to there and searching for video and, you know, you know, B network, everything's pulled up like that. Clean feeds, radio feeds, all that. You got to dig and dig and dig at ESPN to get some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a, uh, it was a little different hopping into ESPN just in terms of the PACA. Um, now, what was your first uh, rotation? Because I um, real quick, I feel like I remember. You know what? I do remember where you started. If you met, if you remember, we met at a party. I don't know whose party it was. But I think it was you either. I think y'all had just started. Was uh, Randall Newsom in your class? No. Were we at Cash? Were we at uh, a house in New Haven? Or New? No. no um, kinda, New Britain. Hartford. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's the dude's name who played golf? Oh, man. He was on my baseball team, too. Softball team. I can't remember. I'm Vin? looking. Huh? Vinny? Vin? No. No, it was another gentleman. <laughs> He's with the golf network now. He was a huge golf fan. And uh, I don't know why I can't remember his name. But yeah, we he they had a party because I remember I went with Lucas, uh, shout out to Lucas Haskins and Luis Bache. I oh, went with wow. them. Okay. And, you know, wow, shout out Luis, man. Yeah, those were like those was like my brothers, man, coming in. Um, you know, because both of them being from Maryland, also, they kind of yeah. like, okay, Brian, you know, let me you know, hang out with us. Me and Lucas was in the same rotation in sales, in sales quality control. But I, I feel like that's where we met at um, that party. <laughs> I'm trying to think of which party it was. It was at a house, right? Was yeah, it was at a house. I know exactly what party it was. It was I, won't mention, I won't mention what else went on at the party, but I know exactly what party <laughs> it was and where and who was there. Like Eric, who was yeah. there. Um, Oh God, every, everyone was there. I remember, oh yeah, I remember. Uh, yes, that was a fun party. I remember that it, party. Yeah, so I was like, I remember when y'all started because that was the same time when they, um, when the classes, it seemed like the new classes would actually start in the evening. When I started, we didn't start together. Like it was me, Wes Remsen. Oh uh, man, I, I'm forgetting names today. But it was a few of us that, uh, uh, Alex Dempsey, uh, we all started around the same time, but they didn't put us like on our first day of work we didn't do like the, the tour, you know, we, we, the first two days we did the HR stuff and then we went into our rotation. So like with you, um, what was your first part of rotation? My first was highlights and propping. So the people who started out with us, the, I'll say the new ESPN employees, cause we had two who hopped into the um, PA level, Chris Cannon and, um, and Andrew, remember Andrew, your boy, you worked with him with, um, God, what's his name? You worked on him and Mike and Mike. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so me, Omar, uh, Cody Dunlap, um, mm-hmm. Tiffany and Cindy. They they left the company rather quickly. So me, Omar, and Cody, me and Cody started in highlights and prompting. Omar started in uh, content screening. Uh, so yeah, they threw us right in. They said, "Here." I remember my first highlight 
was a New York, of course, it was the New York Rangers and Columbus Blue Jackets. And you always remember your first. And it was Rick Nash coming back to Columbus for the first time since he got traded. And I worked with Jay Hall. And uh, it was different. It was a different experience because you're not just cutting for, you know, like one show at MLB Network. You usually cut for like the night show, quick pitch. You're cutting for this sports center, that sports center. You cut for like three sports centers. You're like, whoa, what? So they threw us right into the fire and highlights, me and Cody. And um, it was, again, humbling because you're seeing all these people get these big games and they're, they, they seem like they're just freezing by all this stuff. And you're sitting there like, I don't know what, I don't know what button to press. I'm scared. Because um, we came in also right around March Madness. Mm-hmm. So we were watching people do that and it was, it was a zoo. So. Yeah, we started in highlights, started in prompting. I actually worked on um, with Jacordi a lot. He was my manager. He was my um, my director. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember you telling me that. <laughs> yeah, he was my director for. Um, and yeah, that that's where um that's where I started. So I started in that highlight level and prompting level, and you know, people. You know, I gotta say this real quick. Prompting's hard as hell. There is a yep. lot of pressure on prompters, and I don't think people realize that at all. <laughs> so. Shout out to the young people out here who are prompting and, you know, grinding away because that is hard. Stay off your phones. Please stay off your phones. And, you know, don't, you know, don't talk too much to the uh, the talent. I might have done that once or twice and Decordy told me, hey, Jake, shut up. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, prompt, prompting's, prompting's tough. So that's where I started there. And it was a uh, great learning experience to start there right away. Now, you, um, yeah, one of the things about prompting, when I tell you I hated it, was it was the sorting, uh, the sheets. And I thought... Oh, my God, the scripts. <laughs> yeah, uh, shout out to D'Angelo. Huh? Yeah, yellow and the pink. pink. You know, shout out to D'Angelo Shears, who trained me. And I just remember thinking, like, why in 2014 at the time have they not figured out how to just make these go the way they should go like that was scary those were scary times because mm-hmm. you would print out like 150 pages and, like, and you want the time before the show start it's like hey sort these out by person oh yellow 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 pink pink yellow pink yellow 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 pink 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 it's like what mm-hmm. i'm running down not to mention you yeah. would have thought producers <laughs> would have understood let me get this uh this done this rundown locked. <laughs> oh, oh god, yeah, you had to lock the rundown before you could print. <laughs> Couldn't print unless the rundown was locked. Um, yep. And it and you know it wasn't until the last time I had to prompt, which was for a sports center practice show. It was the very last time when I figured out when the rundown was locked. Cause shout to Weimer, right? Um Yes, L. Weimer. We will not mention her first name on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. She will somehow hunt me down and kill me. Uh, she that told, for a fact. Great, she, great, great producer, great, great person. We will not mm-hmm. say her first name on this podcast. Well, she was, was one thing she was saying is the less we have to talk, the better. She said, the, the way you know it's locked if it's all bold. I was like, thank you. Yeah. Why didn't nobody tell me this a long time ago? So I wouldn't have to keep asking, is the rundown lock? Is the rundown lock? Is the rundown lock? She, she was all business. She would say, like, I just don't want to talk to you if you're prompting, Jake. Love you. I don't want to talk to you. Just <laughs> look at the look at the screen. Say if it's locked and print. If you have any questions, ask me. Otherwise, I don't know. Figure it out. Go play a game or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, thankfully, we was able to, um, you know, oh, man. Thankfully, I only had five prompted shifts. <laughs> oh, God, I had so many. 
Oh man. Back to back shows sometimes, and you have to go fix their script, and someone have to bring that script to you, and you'd have mm-hmm. to script that script. Well, yeah, if it was a three, you know, if it was three shows together, yeah. that's when I would hope that the, they would do the first takes perfect. Um so that you, you know, because then you got that break. If it was like, all right, this take was perfect, we'll just copy that and insert it into the next show. You that know, was the same thing as uh, when I became a graphic producer. I guess we get into that next. When I became a graphic producer, like, please just land this stuff so I don't have to worry about these graphics. So I can start deleting them and stuff. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, you know, when you first started, you had to go through the ringer with the prompt yeah. <laughs> and cutting mm-hmm. highlights. And uh, so, what you do after highlights? Uh, so in highlights, so after highlights, at the same time, I was doing raps. I don't know if okay. you ever worked in raps, but never. You know, um, pre-game, post-game, halftime shows um, for college, for any sport that's on ESPN, mostly college football, college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked that um, with, you know, a, a close, and that's that's where you really become close friends with people when you're working certain shows. Um, so I worked with a lot of people, you know, Matt Berthaud, Brittany Kavanaugh, Elizabeth Buhite, Jake Menashe. You know, when you became like super close with these Kelly Hijack, and you became super close with them. That was that was that was your crew. You know, because mm-hmm. you all worked at the same time, you all went out because those are the times you were working. You knew, hey, you're off Tuesdays. Let's go to the bar on Tuesdays. Uh, so I was working that. And then I did a show called Buzzer Beater and Goal Line. Mm-hmm. Basically ESPN's version of Red Zone for college football and college basketball. And there was a producer on uh, Buzzer Beater whose name was Greg Colley. And he, you know, I, I did graphics. You started with graphics and raps. They really start teaching you and molding you and, you know, this is how you do it. And I was pretty good and I liked doing it. So I did it for this goal line show. And Greg Collie, this producer was like, hey, you're pretty good. You know, uh, you know, would you be interested in doing a show like Baseball Tonight? And I said, I would love to work on Baseball Tonight. You know, I worked on that. I loved that show my whole life. I watched it. Like, please, man. He's like, all right, I'm going to talk to, uh, you know, some people. We'll see how it goes. And We'll go from there. And that is how I got into becoming a, I call myself a graphics producer on that show for three years, even though I was a PA on that show for all three years. Um, I was graphics producer for baseball tonight because we started in raps. Uh, shout out Jerry Daniels. Um, I know some people on this podcast will know who he is. Some won't. Jerry Daniels is one of the most interesting people you will work with, but always had our back and always went to bat for us. And um from there, I just started baseball tonight, and uh, the rest was history. The rest was so, history. So, when you're doing baseball tonight, what did you do during the offseason? Basically, some highlights, you know, basically raps, back okay. and forth with all that stuff. Um, and we all know how much we love to highlight shifts. So. <laughs> <laughs> but when there's those six months, you were strictly baseball tonight. Yep. Uh, that's, that's when we had shows um, three times a week two times a night, three times a week, you know, those Monday, Wednesday, Sundays, because that's when they, it was the first season they cut it down um, from every day to the days we had games. So Monday, Wednesday, Sunday are the games that, you know, ESPN has. We had a show, we had a seven o'clock show and we had a night show, or excuse me, we had a 10 o'clock show and then a 12 o'clock show. 10 o'clock show was always basically 20 minutes because the games were run long and then sports center would pop up next. But yeah, those six months after that would be highlights, would be raps, maybe a VO unit here and there, a couple NFL live, stuff like that. But those were the worst six months. The best six months were being with that crew on baseball tonight. And, uh, you know, 
that's what I probably miss the most about ESPN. You know, we'll get into everything else with the personal stuff, but the most I miss about ESPN is baseball tonight and that crew, Greg Colley, uh, Ali Leogrand, Justin Havens, Ryan Staloff, Cody Dunlap, Sarah Langs, you know, people like that. Really, uh, Krista, all these people, Diana Griffin, all these people, you know, you, you become family with them and, you know, because you're with them all the time with them, you know, at night, you're with them in the morning, you know, some of those days like all-star, all-star break, you'd be with them for like 16 hours a day getting stuff ready. And, um, you know, even the talent became close. Tim Kirchin, uh, me would, would talk a lot. Mark Teixeira, great guy. Um, all these different people. And, and, you know, that's the thing about ESPN. I don't think people get, you know, it's a big family. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you hate each other, but that's what families do. You yell and scream and fight. And that's what families do. And, uh, yeah, baseball tonight is where I really found my, my footing there. Um, now, when you, you graphics producer, um, because one of the things I just, you know, want to make sure. So, you know, Kali said, you know, you were good at it. Was it, were you choosing what went on the screen or was it just having the accuracy? Like, how does, you know, how does a producer reckon, how did the producers recognize your talent? It was a little bit of both. You know, it, it's, you know, the certain nuggets you put on the screen. It's the certain time you call for something or you, you know, you quote unquote sell something. That was a big thing they set up there. Um, and it's all about the passion, too. I mean, listen, graphics isn't a sexy job. It's actually the worst job to have because it's the most pressure-packed job in the world, um, I say. Because if you mess something up, you know, that's on the screen. You know, I can cut away from a video. It takes a second to cut away from a graphic. Or, you know, that goes on the screen. There's a screenshot. And now all of a sudden it's on awful announcing or all those other, you know, BS websites that try to break you down. But, um did you end up on one? What? Did you ever end up on one? Oh, do I have? Yeah. Well, we'll get into. Do you remember the Charlotte Flair thing? Oh uh, yeah. Which which <laughs> one? What did you say? Um. So I'll I'll before we get to the Charlotte Flair thing. Yeah, I had one for the twenty eighteen World Series. Maybe I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. Maybe twenty seventeen with Dodgers and uh, Rich Hill. So we got Rich Hill uh, live to tape. And I had to build Seinfeld for him. So what I wanted to do was Dodgers 4-0 in last four Rich Hill starts. Well, I didn't put Dodgers. So it just said Rich Hill 4-0, 4-0 in last four Rich Hill starts. <laughs> <laughs> it ended up on, uh, on something on Twitter. Um, I did. You know, it's the crazy part. While you think about that, we're in the day and age where you can freeze TV. If this would have been, you know, 10 years ago, obviously probably would have been 20, well, now shoot, 30 years ago. Even 10, 15, 15 years ago, no one's, you know, screenshot and right, trying to pull you down. And it was just, I had, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones I had because I had some, I had some bad ones, not awful ones. Not, I'm not talking like, you know, just terrible, terrible things. Like there, there were certain people that had things on there for different sports, like, You'd see Mike Trout and be like basketball stats and be like, oh, dear, that's not right. <laughs> and and um, I had one where it said the Warriors swept the Rockets. They didn't sweep the Rockets. Um, you know, you, ha- you have little ones, little stupid ones. Um, and sometimes they're miscommunication, but sometimes they're just you rushing and, and being sloppy, which happens. But then the, uh, then the Charlotte Flair incident happened, and that was fun. 
Now, uh, what did you say? Because I know wrestling Twitter. Um, so <laughs> Jay, her, Rousey, and um, I Becky think Lynch came on because that's when WrestleMania or something was in Boston. Was that a few years ago? No, New York. Oh, when you said she was Ric Flair's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> that was you? <laughs> that was me. I did. I sure did say that. But okay. First off, listen. <laughs> Jake, you had my number, bro. She she is Ric Flair's <laughs> daughter. That's who she is. I'm Marcy and Joe Del Moro's son. That's true. I'm Nicole Del Moro's brother. That's who it is. That's who, I, that's who she is. Mm-hmm. But... The context of the question, in a way, was about like growing up in wrestling and seeing wrestling a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll defend it till the day I die. I don't think it was wrong. I don't think I, I I don't think it was wrong at all. My supervisors had my back. It went to very very high up people at ESPN. I was told, uh, and they had like meetings about it. But I will always, you know, th- and those are the things. Those are the things that um that come with the job. If if I ran, if we ran like a Becky Lynch VO instead of a Charlotte Flair VO. That's just a mistake. Me putting up on the screen that she's Ric Flair's daughter, then having her tweet out to her millions of followers. I don't even know how many likes she got on that tweet. I could probably find it right now. I looked at it because I had the social one at work the other day because I mentioned it to them. <laughs> it was like 100,000 something likes on that tweet. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my, oh my God, these, these people think I'm an awful person. They're probably, and they're just going after ESPN. Luckily, they're not going after me. They have no idea who I am. Um, but yeah, that was um, and listen, those are the risks you take being a graphics producer. You, whatever you put on the screen could be um, taken the wrong way. Listen, I have no disrespect, no, you know, disrespect for Charlotte Flair. I mean, she's a national, she's a champion. She's a women's champion. She's one of the best women's wrestlers ever. But she's in wrestling right now mm-hmm. because because her dad is Ric Flair. That's how if her dad if Ric Flair was an accountant in Sheboygan, I don't think Charlotte would be in wrestling. Well, well and, and just for people who are going to try to come at you, I'm going to have your back <coughs> because this is well documented. Charlotte Flair, somebody who grew up, didn't wasn't the biggest wrestling fan. She was a volleyball player. She was a natural athlete. Oh, shit. Her brother, Reed, was the guy who was supposed to be the wrestler. Unfortunately, Reed died from an overdose. And before he died, he had trying to kind of persuaded Charlotte, you should do this. Let's do this together. So with that being said, you're not wrong. Yeah. You know? I mean, and, and I'm going to defend you. Yeah. I, I, so, of course, you know, like I said, the wrestling community, of course, because, you know, they expect. You got people like, why is ESPN covering wrestling? They don't know what they're talking about. And you got the other crowd that says, you know, how are you disrespecting Charlotte Flair? So mm-hmm. both ends I got it from. But at the, at the crux of it all, I don't want, you know, Charlotte Flair, if you're listening, um, I don't want you to think that I'm disrespecting you. You are an amazing wrestler. Um, you know, you beat Dan Ronda Rousey all the time. You're great at what you do. You're factually, you're Ric Flair's daughter. That's not bad. Ronnie James is LeBron's kid. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. I mean, and that's not taking anything away from you because you've done many, many different things. So if you're listening, Charlotte Flair, we'll tag her in this on Twitter. Um, we'll DM her <laughs> this. Uh, shout out. I apologize. I didn't mean to disrespect you. Please don't hunt me down and kill me. Did you have the option to um, have multiple things, multiple uh, 
facts. Yes, I had multiple uh, um, um, yeah, fonts for each person. But the question, the context I had for her was the question about like wrestling and being okay. around wrestling. And you've seen a lot about wrestling. Okay, well, she's seen a lot about wrestling. So that's the other thing about being a graphics producer. You always have to be ready for context. Um, I think it was, I forgot who said it, but they were really good at ESPN. And they said, pretend that you're at a bar and it's yep. loud and the screen, there's no sound. How do you know what's on television? How do you know what they're talking about? And um, that's it. You put on you put on the screen something that you think they're talking about. So I would, you know, if it's if they're talking about the Orioles and Yankees series, I'd have an Orioles and Yankees series bar. Because if you're at the bar, oh, look, ESPN's talking about the Orioles and Yankees right now. There's a fact. Orioles have lost five straight against the Yankees. Okay, oh, they're probably the Orioles struggling. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, maybe not this year. Who knows? I don't even know what happened in the Yankee game. I know they were tied before I hopped on with you, but um, <clears throat> yeah. It's all about context being a graphics producer. So that's why I thought the context came in. Obviously, it didn't hit off right away. Mm-hmm. But um, that's part that's part of being a graphics producer. You uh you get no uh glory and all the blame. And you know what? And like I said, um uh you know, I remember when it is I saw it, I was like, Oh, I, I thought it was like, Oh, okay, well, I don't see the big deal because I know what it's like working there, nobody you know. Did. Big bro, nobody did. Yeah, I know. about the day, like, all right, cool. And then someone came to me and said, "Yo, did you see what Charlotte Flair tweeted?" I said, "No, nah, I, I don't know what Charlotte Flair tweeted. I don't, I don't care. I'm not. Who cares? I mean, no disrespect, Charlotte Flair. I don't. I'm not a wrestling fan." And I saw it, and I saw the screenshot, and I, my heart dropped, and I was just, oh man, I was sweating. Oh, God, man, it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. But yeah, like I said, that's part of being a graphics producer. But um, but you, you didn't get in trouble for it. No. So they had meetings about it. They had high up meetings, which I was told. Ooh. And um, no, I wasn't in trouble. My producers had my back. My, my higher ups had my back. They said, you know, this was the context of the conversation was being around wrestling. The context of the conversation, she's Charlotte Flair. She's Ric Flair's daughter. And that's why she's around wrestling. I just took it as a learning experience to, you know, really you know, pay attention. Cause like I said, she's her own. I'm sure she went around life. You know, that's Ric Flair's daughter. That's Ric Flair's daughter. That's Ric Flair's daughter. Instead of that Charlotte Flair. Mm-hmm. So I get there might've been some, not insecurity, but some annoyance, you know, just I'm sick and tired of being Ric Flair's daughter. I'm Charlotte Flair. So I get it. Um, that's when I did sports center after I was on baseball tonight, but uh, going back to baseball tonight, that's where, you know, I really, you know, I got, to, you know, I got to have a lot of different controlling and, Greg Colley gave me a lot of uh, a lot of leash to really just do what I wanted to put what I wanted on the screen. Now he would help me a lot. I mean that that guy's you know to this day he's one of the best people I've ever met. Now graphics um, don't have to get copy edited. So no, I'm the I'm the alpha and omega there, man. I'm the one who looks at it all and, and figures it out. So research gives you some notes, but because yeah. um, I, I and this is the thing I'm trying to like get to the pressure. Um, we all know we, as a writer, you write so much, you're going to misspell some things. You're going to have a comment in the wrong place. Um, I produced a series at Johns Hopkins called in case you missed it. Um, and part of that is I have to, now, even though the text on the screen, I'm literally copying the title from the news release that we're highlighting. So it should have already been copy edited, but there was an instance where 
One of the news uh, release had COVID spelled with all caps and the other one didn't. But we have to send things to our copy editors. If I make, so I've done some graphics producing. We had a show called Hopkins Met Live. Now, granted, I built these lower thirds in After Effects and then sent it to the video team and they uploaded it into the TriCast. Yeah. But, you know, everything has like there, everything got to go through copy edit. We do anything on screen. Some do everything, some stuff we don't put on there. But, you know, understanding the pressure, you know, because I do stuff for my church. And there's been times where I have written, putting up, um, forgot like an extra M or something in communion just to say and, and write in their stream yard. Boom, boom, boom. Communion. Oh, I got to take it down real quick. But yep, you know, yep, that's a hundred people watching where you got millions of people watching and instantly remove bar, take down bar. Oh my god. <laughs> um clear clear X, clear X, um, all that stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pressure packed, man. It's not, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. And um, that's part of why I left. But you know, to keep it happier as of right now, you know, before we turn to that, yeah, it was but it was fun though, you know. I always tell people. 10 seconds before the show starts, you get a rush of adrenaline. That. Like I do not, you just feel like you're about to go into a game. Mm-hmm. You look at your, 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 uh, Vizop who, uh, who's next to you, who puts the graphics on the screen. And you're just like, let's do this, man. Like, let's not mess up this whole show. Obviously the goal is no screw ups. Yeah. But, you know, that's obvious. You know, stuff's going to happen, but you know, going back to what you were saying, I, Produce the graphics. I check every graphic. I don't care if the researcher built it. I don't care if I built it. I check every one. Now, for researcher, if I find a stat, I go to my researcher. It was usually Sarah Lange or Mike Bonzani. I'd go to them. I'd say, hey, is this stat correct? They'd say, yes. they say, no. I'd check it, make sure all the logos were right, make sure all the sponsors were right, make sure everything was, was perfect on these graphics. Type everything out. You know, people think graphics and when they just see, you know, like the bottom line or these weird, you know, um, HP, HPEGs and, and stuff like that, verts. And that's not what it is. It's what's on the screen. It's if you're watching, I always tell people, if you're watching CNN and there's a bar and it says breaking news, President Biden visits China. I don't know, whatever he wants to say. Like, that's what I do. I type that out. For sports, it's a lot more intense because you got to put stats, you got to put times of games, you got to put, you know, records, all these things. So, uh, and you got to sometimes, for lack of a better word that's coming to my head right now, you got to dummy it down because we got all this sports knowledge and we got all these comprehensive stats that we got to say, okay, how can we make this simple? Exactly. So instead of, you know, baseball tonight is a sports specific show. So I can write certain stats on there that baseball fans would get. NBA, you know, jump can write certain things on there that basketball fans would get. NFL, NFL Live, NFL Countdown. But when you're doing like sports center, you got to just dumb it down because it's everybody watching. So you got to say like Mike Trout leads league in home runs just because nobody knows Mike Trout's war. Because nobody, no one knows what the hell war means outside of baseball fans. They don't know that. Or, you know, and, uh, and that was the thing when I did, so I did sports centers Twitter account and, yes. and shout out to Daniel Duquette. That was the same, uh, the same advice he gave me as far as the bar conversation. He said, you want to be sitting at a bar, looking at Twitter, and say, oh, so-and-so just did this, this, that, and the other. You know, don't make it too complicated. Because, you know, it, it, a lot of stuff, especially, you know, I was there 
at the height of the uh, at the beginning of the Stephen LeBron series. Yes. You know, so it was that 2015. So you know, it was a lot of stuff Steph Curry was doing. You know, we got to cut, you know, clip off really cool stuff. That's when Riley Carey kind of took the world by storm, you know. But it was little stuff that we had to like, like you said, just kind of gotta make it for all sports fans that they could see at a bar. Exactly. And that's I mean, we can talk, we can go to a whole nother conversation with the social aspect and how it's changed and mm-hmm. what Omar has not Omar Powell. But Omar has done from House of Highlights, turned the ESPN Sports Center social. That's a whole nother story. But yeah, you, you really got to dumb it down for people because not everybody's baseball, not everybody's football, not everybody's basketball. Sure as hell, not everybody's hockey. Yeah. You really dumb it down for people. And if I'm not mistaken, you also went to some All Star games, right? Did. Uh, yeah. I went, and I'm going to pull up the phone. And go through the pictures while I'm on here with you. Because that, that's what I was doing. I would I would uh, live vicariously through you so, or uh, your social media. And, of course, I'm, like, sitting there cheering because I know, you know, how much you love baseball, the baseball conversations we had. So yeah. it was like, you know, it was like, yeah, my bro got a chance to be at the All-Star game. Like, how cool is this? That was awesome. I'm looking at the pictures now. So the first time I, I have been off the East Coast, in my life, maybe like and I call DC the East Coast. I've been in, I've been off the East Coast like once in my life, and I went to Aruba. I mean, I went to Florida when I was a kid, but like as an adult, I went to Aruba one. I don't do planes. I don't like planes. Planes suck. They're the worst thing in the world. For real? Drive a car. Um. <laughs> so they were like, "Hey, we're going to San Diego." I was like, "What? That's a far. That's far." Uh-huh. So we did all these planes. We got to these places. And San Diego was was awesome. I mean, I'm looking at some of the stuff now. You know, this was um, – I have one picture on my phone that's a hard favorite. And it's Jose, Hernan- Jose Fernandez running out of the bullpen with, like, a shining light on him um, as he's running out of the bullpen in the All-Star game. And that was the first and last time I ever saw him pitch. Obviously, we know what happened. But, uh, yeah, I, I got to go there. I got to go to – the uh, one-game playoff for Mets-Giants. That was Syndergaard Bumgarner. That was unbelievable. I got to go to Wrigley one time. That was unreal. I was on the field at Wrigley. I walked into the clubhouse. I uh, got the gold glove dinners. You know, I met, you know, I got to, you know, I, you know, um, I'm trying to see what else I did. Because you do so much stuff, you forget. I went to two gold glove dinners. And then, um, shout out Eduardo Perez. I got to go to Florida State because of him, and it was like someone called it like a make-a-wish trip. I got to go on the field. I got to go in the locker rooms. I got to go, you know, to the, oh, oh my god, because Eduardo hooked me up with one of the guys. Baseball shout out Chip Baker, um, big shooter, and it was ah, oh, it was unreal. And these are the things you really only can do when you're at ESPN. You're not, not you're not doing that. I met, we met hundreds of people working there. You know, I met Bobby Dowd and Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban's walked through there, Jake Gyllenhaal, all these Rick Ross has come by, like all these guys have just come by, and it's you know. It's surreal when you look back and think about it. And then after I left ESPN, I can't, went back for a little, uh, um, what's the word? A little freelance work, and we went to the World Series. That was the uh, 2019 World Series. Got to go on the field in Houston. You know, we stayed in the Nationals Hotel when they were in Houston, so I got to see all those guys shake hands with Ryan Zimmerman, Juan Soto, like, and then great job, congratulations. You know, good luck to you. Yeah, I mean – it was it was awesome. I got I got to go to yeah San Diego for that All Star game, um, World Series. 
I go to another all-star game? I don't think so. That was, that was in Chicago. Those were the three baseball tonight uh, trips. And I went out to the Little League World Series. Um, that was cool. Mm-hmm. So enough about that. That was all the good stuff. <laughs> um, so, so fun stuff. Like I said, you know, there's a lot of fun, but then as we'll get into, you know, all that fun is you see that on the outside. You don't really see the inside. So what happened? What happened? Well, um, I, like I had to ask that dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were like, like Oprah, like, so what happened? <laughs> no, so, uh, what made you say? It's time. It's time to get out. Um, well, a few things. You know, I've always struggled with mental health my whole life. And, you know, it was confidence, you know, just confidence thing. You know, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't, you know, one mistake and it rides you crazy. And ESPN's like that. You make a mistake, especially graphics, and the whole world ends. You you, you messed up everything. You ruined everything. So that was hard. You know, that that in general was just my life in terms of mental health. And then my, uh, you know how close I was with my grandmother. She passed away in February, 2019. I lived with her since I was like eight years old. She was always at the house, you know, I, and really hit me was besides that she was like the most important person to me in the world. I was doing a show that day. I was supposed to do a show that morning, Sunday morning. It was the 24th of February. And I was supposed to do a show and I woke up, I think it was the noon sports center. I don't know why we had noon sports center on a Sunday. And I woke up at like seven, and I said, you know, I really should go home. Because she, she, this was the end. I knew. And I was like, I should just go home and say goodbye one more time. But, but got in the car, like I said, two and a half hours. Hour and a half later, she passed. And I knew right there, I didn't want to be far from home anymore. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to do that anymore. Kind of like you. Kind of like, you know, a lot of people. They moved to be closer to home. You know, you went back with your family. You picked your family up and you went back home. A lot of people did that. And it was just, um, I was at a really low point after that probably one of the worst points. And at that point, I just said in the middle of April, I said, I, I called my parents. I said, I'm done. I got to get out of here. Um, How many years up. had it been? What's up? How many years had it been? Um, I just crossed my five-year mark. Mm-hmm. So I started on March 10th, 2014. Yeah, it sounds like I'm dead. So I started March 10th, 2014. And I, I left May 2nd, uh, 20. 19. Um, yeah, and they tried to get me to stay because I had just been promoted to actual graphics producer, like in January. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get the job the first time. I finally got it this time. And like two months later, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. And they were like, Are you sure you can take a break and sabbatical? I was like, no, this is the decision I need to make for myself. Um, you know, it was it was just time to leave. It was too, you know, it, it, that's people don't see. They 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 just hear us before chopping it up about your know, all star games, about meeting all these people, about meeting all these friends, about all this stuff. But then when you wake up at 1.30 in the morning to go into work, and you're in bed by 4 p.m., they don't see that. They don't see you know that you're sitting at home a lot, just hanging out because you know your friends are at work, or you got to work the next 10 days in a row at 3 a.m. They don't really see that. Um, so, you know, it was just, it was just, uh, listen, it sucked. Obviously, you know, ESPN was my dream job. I like, I've been talking about before. I wanted to work since I was a little kid. And then when you get there and listen, some people love it up there. God bless them. They're part, they're, they're built for it. I was there for five years and I stopped being built for, it. I stopped loving it. Um, you know, it became a job. 
instead of, you know, like going to work every day, it'd be fun. You know, we never know who you're going to see, where you're going to work on, what you're going to do, because sports is the best reality television there is. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden it just became, it wasn't worth it anymore. Let me ask you this. For me, it was a lot of the people that I was in the ground with had left. And I kept seeing people leave. Did that have an effect on you? Well, it's funny. I feel like I was one of the first ones to leave out of okay. a lot of people. I mean, Cody left before me. Um, Sarah Langs left before me. Um, but a lot of people were still there. Some slowly, this was the time after, you know, after the big, this was a year after the big layoff where like Barry Sachs and all those guys, mm-hmm. um, Rico, Tell Rico got left go and all those guys. And it was, it was, you know, that was when you really saw what this business is. Like people are getting left go left and right. Meanwhile, Greenberg and Stephen A are making $10 million a year. And you're seeing these guys, you know, listen, great for them. They're talented, but at the same time, like you're seeing these guys lose their jobs and their families because, you know, they got to pay these guys or pay sports fees. And, you know, once, once you saw that happening, it wasn't so fun anymore. You know, morale got down from when we first started because of all the layoffs and, it just, it changed. The dynamics changed. And I know they were trying to make it better as I was leaving, but I, I don't know. The, the older heads that were there, I know a couple of people just left now that I was really close with. You know, Omar Powell just left. Um, Ryan Staloff moved out of the old apartments that we stayed in, but, you know, he left to West Hartford because, again, you know, that's part of it too. Location's part of it too. Bristol sucks. <laughs> Bristol, Bristol is big trash. Um you know, especially where we lived, it, I mean, we lived right next door to ESPN, but it was still just like, oh, it was man. convenient, but it, it was, was convenient, but it just, you know, it's not depressing. Let's yeah, call it for what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it's, it's a lot of things. That I don't think people realize, you know, they think a lot of people still think it's in New York city. I'm like, nope, it's in central Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Nope. Hartford and New Britain places, you know, it's, there's nothing around us. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people leave now. A lot of people, maybe some of the things I, I had to say in terms of, you know, their own mental health and just being tired of the games and tired of the, you know, how it is there, man. It's a, it's a, listen, I, I, like I said, I love what the company did for me, you know, God bless them. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a, it's a club. You got to be in a certain club for you to advance. Bingo. <laughs> and, um, you got to look <laughs> You got to be looked at a certain way and do it their way and do it their way best. Mm-hmm. So there are certain kids there who probably shouldn't have been, you know, like I said, everyone there works hard. There are certain kids that should have been promoted over certain kids. You know, I said before, Ryan Staloff, hardest working kid I know. Whatever the reason he wasn't promoted, that's their reason. I think it's BS that that kid wasn't promoted earlier. Mm-hmm. That kid works harder than anybody, cares more than anybody. He works just, you know, around the clock all the time. Maybe too hard, maybe too consumed in his work, but he still loves it. Wasn't promoted a bunch of times. Wasn't promoted to AP a bunch of times. And it, and it just gets annoying after a while because you see all these people who are moving up and you're like, well, they just got here. What the hell did they do? They don't do anything, right? They're just friends with certain people. Um, I know for me, it was... Department for oh, graphics, I, you know, I, uh, I saw it in the AP, you know, that, but that's the bread and butter, the AP level, you know. Mm-hmm. Certain APs didn't ever leave; they stayed, and you know it was just a cog, you know, a clog up in that in that system. And uh, it was it's disheartening when you don't see your friends get promoted to where they should be. It's oh, hard. absolutely! It sucks for them. It sucks for you. But 
Yeah, I mean that's that's part of the reason too. It was just it wasn't it wasn't I don't know, it just wasn't fun anymore. Yeah, I knew I was done when um my 18th month came. It was six 16, 18 month when the, most people get promoted from PA to CA yeah. and I was still PA and I'm like, I know I've been doing good work and even shout out to Seth Horowitz, my uh, producer yeah, on Mike and Mike, he told me, he was like, man, you know, I put in for you to have like highly skilled and whatnot and they just gave me skill and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm tired. And then I go to social media, which right. was a blessing for me because it made me more marketable and may open up my resume by a huge portion. But one of the things, uh, shout out to Steve Braban when I told him my story and he was like, dang, man, I'm bummed. He said, this shouldn't happen to you. And it was at a time when Gabe Goodwin was there and I'll, you know, Gabe was somebody who was like making it where younger people who were working hard could get promoted. Within, so you saw people getting promoted within social media, and then they had told me, "It's like, yeah, we've already talked to like all the powers that be or the PA system, um, the content, the cap program. So as long as you want to stay here, you're fine." And I was just like, "If only I could have started here. Who knows? I probably would stay there longer. I mean, you know, my daughter would have came. I still would have wanted to leave just because I wanted my kids to be raised close to their family. But, you know, I definitely get it. How did you overcome, you know, how did you overcome your struggles with mental health? Because, you know, you're doing a phenomenal job. But how did you overcome it? Well, one was getting out of a situation that I didn't think was good for me, which obviously, <laughs> is, yeah, I mean, I just felt it just you know, getting out of there was big help. You know, it's, it's hard. Sleep sleep sucks. Everything, you know, it was hard to get out of there, you know. So once I moved out, I was doing better as is already. You know, I started seeing a life coach. I started getting back, you know, you know me, I always worked out. I always lifted. I always, you know, you know. So when I had my time, you know, I would work out more and, you know, just eat better. Because even when you're up there, you eat like crap. Because it's four in the morning and you're getting like much of L sticks at the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's all they have. I remember. I missed the cafeteria. <laughs> Yo. Cafeteria was bonfire. If I ever go visit again, I'm gonna eat everything there. It was, mm-hmm. it'll be good. But you know, it just uh, just taking care of yourself more because you're not worried about the next mistake you're gonna make that millions of people are gonna see. You're not worried about um, being yelled at for that small mistake. You're not worried about you know, going to sleep at night being like, "Yo, am I gonna keep my job? Am I good at my job? What about my job? What about my job?" It all became your job, your job, your job. So when I got out, um, it took me a couple months. I just took it to myself. I was just like, I'm just going to hang out, work out, you know, just do better for myself, read. And then I got a part-time job at, uh, it's a front desk associate at Equinox and Summit. And, you know, I even looked at myself. I was still ready to rock in the game. I was like, I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go work for blank, CBS, Fox, whatever. I'm going to get back in the game easy. Started working at this um, at this at this club, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" You know, I love being around the gym. I've worked been working on this high school. I love it. Um, then Greg Collie called me back and was like, "Yo, I got you to freelance. You know, would you do it for a World Series?" I'm like, "Done. I'm out there." And when I got out there, it was the worst experience of my life because of the person who ran it. Um, I won't mention wow. the name. They recently just got let go at ESPN. I don't hold any ill will, whatever. But the person that ran it was the meanest, worst person ever. Every, the morale was low for 10 days. Everybody was sick of each other after six days. It was just awful. Norby had to get involved at a certain point. 
Oh, it was terrible. Um, it was awful. And I remember at one point in the middle of the whole thing, Kellen, uh, Kelly Carey, who was um, basically ran all the baseball. She ran all the uh, production stuff. I said, yo, if Greg Collie wasn't producing this show, I'd be on the next flight out. I'd be gone. I'd quit right on the spot. Um, and after those 10 days, I realized I never wanted to do that again. So I got home. It was uh, October. It started November. I started looking up things for personal training and started studying in, you know, mid-January. And then unfortunately, everything closed down. So I had to, you know, keep studying but not learning on the job. Um, but at that, you know, once I left that World Series, I realized what really, you know, what made me unhappy. And it was that. It was people like that who had been in the company for 30 years and nobody likes. Mm. But they're, you know, they just bust people's balls all the time. And they're just, they're not happy with themselves. And I didn't want to be like that. I don't want to be 55 working at ESPN, just hating my life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I realized that and, you know, got my, got myself right. And now I'm good. Now I'm a personal trainer. Now I'm ready to rock. You know, I do things every day to try to just like, you know, little things, even little things like making your bed and, you know, writing down a mission statement and stuff like that every day. It helps you. It helps clear your mind. It helps talk to somebody, you know, it's okay to not be okay. You know, they, people say that on Twitter, but it's true. Like I talk to people all the time. I talk to a life coach, psychiatrist, psychologist, everything, you know, it's, it's all right. You know, just talk things out. No one's going to judge you because they probably have something going on in their life. And I learned that, you know, at ESPN while I was leaving certain people, certain friends, and even now, um, certain friends up there are going through tough times. And it's just like, I, I get it. If anyone in the world gets it, I get it. And, you know, that's why you know, I just try to talk to people just as much as I can because, you know, we all got something going on. So, you know, as, uh, as Jackie Moon says in semi-pro, everybody love everybody. That's really, <laughs> really all that matters. Man. Everybody love everybody. It's really, it's really what it comes down to in this world. But uh, I'm happy now. I'm great. Like I said, ESPN was – I got to live my dream, man. Like, that's cool as hell. Not a lot of people said they got to live their dream, and I did, and – it was fun for a while. I had some great times, had some bad times, but I made people, I made friends with people who are going to be in my wedding. Mm -hmm. I made friends who I may be in their wedding. You know, they're going to be friends for the rest of their lives. You know, I'm going to go visit them. You, you know, I always thought once the pandemic ends, I'm coming down to see you, coming down to see Omar. We're going to go to some mm -hmm. games. That's what I can't wait for. Yeah, like all this, and all this stuff wouldn't have been possible without ESPN. You know, it's just, you know, it, it was a blessing. It was a blessing in many ways. Like I said, like not getting to Florida State was a blessing because I was blessing to work at ESPN and then realize, Hey, that's not really what I want to do. That doesn't make me happy. Um, and then I left and I'm happier than ever, man. I want to take a quick minute to talk about mental health. As you all know, we are living in unprecedented times, whether it's the racial pandemic or the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, I want to introduce you to hope again, counseling services where transformation begins. Hope Again provides help for children, adolescents, adults, family, and couples. So give them a call at 410-698-8442 or visit them on the web at yourhopeagain.com to book your appointment. If you are willing to believe, you will begin to achieve and ultimately Hope Again Counseling Services can help you receive all that is meant for you. And, and that's important, man, you know um being happier than ever uh when you you think about everything and you know now with this uh personal training like 
you are able to help give back and help people restore confidence. You know, um, what's been some exciting times you had? Have you gotten the chance to like really um, get into with the clients that really touched and changed somebody's life? Not yet. I'm starting okay. to, so I, I officially hired as an Equinox trainer a couple months ago, but I had to pass certain tests, but mm-hmm. I am learning on the fly. You know, I do give people workouts and I train them and, and it's really, it's just, even simple things like I hear from friends, I give them workouts. Like, yeah, I really feel that today, or I really work that well. It's like, yeah, that's awesome that you're getting better, and I'm helping you get better. But you're really getting yourself better. You know, you think I'm helping you, but you're really helping yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that—that's what's cool about being a personal trainer. You know, you—you're—you're you're helping people. Not just—it's not what I'm doing. It's what you're doing. You're building the confidence. You're doing all the work. I'm just standing there going, hey, you know. Make sure your core is stabilized, you know, tuck your chin down and all that stuff. You're the one doing it. So it, it's cool to make, you know, make people see that they can do things. And uh, that's, that's partially, partially why I wanted to get into it, partially because I just love working out. I love being at the gym. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I love being at the gym and I love being at the gym, you know, and helping people. You know, I've been, people have been saying I should be a person training my whole life. And I'm like, no, I'm going down this road, ESPN, blah, blah, blah. I kind of wish I did it from the jump because I yeah. think I'm doing pretty well right now. Is so is, are are you sure the sports door is closed? Sports door is closed. You can have Sheffy tweeted out. You can have Rappaport tweeted out. Woes <laughs> tweeted out. I'm done. Sports window closed. No more. Dunzo. Dunzo forever. It, it, it's 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 um. I can understand it. You know, as a fan of yours, it's like man, it's sad. But at the same time, I'm a fan of you, the person, not the sports producer. I'm a fan of the sports producer, but I'm a fan of you, the person first. So my thing is always making sure, you know, you happy, you know, yeah. and, you know, you had a great career. You know what I mean? I got to work at people, do things, go work at prestigious places, you know, get to go on fields and I never thought I'd get to go on, meet people I never thought I'd get to meet. Like, it's so cool, you know. When I was at CBS, I ran into Shannon Sharp one day, and that guy, let me tell you something. I like literally ran into him, like turned the <laughs> corner and hit him. And I thought I got hit by a truck. That guy is that's when he was like one percent body fat. I don't know what he is now, he's probably two percent body fat. <laughs> he was he is a bull, you know. Great career, great people, great, you know, great experiences. And like I said, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't because it made me better than who I am today. Mm-hmm. You know, I got like I said, I got to go places and meet people that I never, you know. I never thought I'd meet and meet people that are going to be in my, my life forever. Yeah. Real quick, before we get out of here, man, because this, man, this has been a dope conversation. When you really look back over your life and your career, what was the uh, breaking through the glass ceiling moment for you? That moment you realized you were good at what you do. The moment I realized I was good at what I do. Well, there's a couple. I mean, listen, obviously, when you get the call from ESPN that you got hired, it's like getting the call from, you know, AK, you're going up from, you're getting up from the show now. Like you're going to the big show. It's like, oh, all right, cool. Like, you know, I've been in dwindling double A for a couple of years. Hey, man, you're skipping. You're going right to the show. So that's mm-hmm. when, you know, you know, you, you made it in this industry. Um, a couple of things I did at MLB Network, people really took, you know, a shine to it. Um, but definitely when you get that call from ESPN, that you got a job there and that's all you wanted to do your whole life. That's when, you know, you made it. And I'm like, yo, I can do anything I want now. Like I'm here now. Like this is the, the world's my oyster. I can go as far as I want to go at this place. Um, 
So I would say that I would say getting that job at ESPN and having that phone call and I'm Stacy and um, yeah, that's definitely when I knew I can do anything I want. Wow. That's amazing, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what that's about you? When did you realize you can do it? <laughs> because you, you, you've done it all. I mean, you got 18 podcasts, you got all this stuff you do and, you know, you got two kids. I have nobody. I have no kids, no wife. You got families, <laughs> wrestlings, and all this stuff, man. What about you? It's tough. It's tough. It's funny. I get to ask that. You know, I ask that question every week, and I probably, <laughs> you know, I thought about it. I so it's, it's a couple times. You know, um, one was when I sat with Allison. Um, I think her last name was Schlumberger. She was the person when I worked in sales quality control who was in charge of, um, who was, um, you know, she was on my car wash during the interview process. Oh yeah. yeah. And when I told her about the wrestling realm and she got excited and said, I'm going to look it up. And I remember contacting Dwayne, my co-host as we celebrate our 10th year this year. I said, Hey man, um, during the interview, they asked me about the wrestling realm and it was something that we created in college to, one, help us learn how to become better producers, but also because we love wrestling. Yep. And when that worked out and then finding out that that helped me get hired at ESPN, that was a moment. Um, coming back, it was definitely when we created the series, in case you missed it, because I've been doing stuff at Hopkins and, you know, you know, whether it was producing videos or, you know, social media content um, and, and, you know, helping them reach a thousand followers. But when I produced in case you missed it, which will later win an award, that was like, wow. Like I remember that. And it was amazing. So those are a couple of them. <laughs> Yo, what one regret I, I do have from ESPN is I never won a, a Emmy. I have a bunch uh, of friends who won Emmy. How did that skip you? Baseball Especially tonight, with raps. Baseball tonight was up for it a couple of, but it, I think it only made it through the process once the, cause like the company decides what goes on and stuff and they're obviously don't give a crap about baseball because that's how they are now mm -hmm. and i think sports center got one but we didn't get it because we weren't on it long enough l mlb got one but i think we had left too early me and stale off and but we didn't get it oh but come i really on. wish i got emmy but um i thought when sports center won every the whole company got it at I least yeah they used to do that way back in the day i wish but they don't win anymore because now they just give it to MLB tonight because they hate ESPN now. And that's the other thing about ESPN. I want to say this real quick before we before we go. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of people behind the scenes there that do yep. really good work, and people tend to you know bash ESPN and you know we all do it. Even even people who work there bash ESPN. We all get it, but you know they're really good people who do really good work and you know, the hours they put in and, you know, you like watching basketball on Christmas, dope. There's people mm -hmm. working there that aren't with their families on Christmas, you know, New Year's Eve, you're watching New Year's Day, you're watching your college football. Cool. There are people who, you know, don't see their families on birthdays. That's the other thing too about, you know, I didn't, I had to tell my best, like one of my best friends, I was in the kid's wedding and I, two days before the wedding, like I can't go. Like I got too much work for, for baseball, for the all-star game. Like, I'm sorry, man. Um, you know, you miss birthdays, you miss weddings, you miss, parties every, everything and you know these people are out here grinding man and you know just give them a little credit you might not enjoy hearing about lebron james and tim tebow in 170 times a day but 
at least appreciate there's people back there who you know aren't getting paid anything. They're the ones that are doing all the work. Mm-hmm. Stephen A. and Mike Greenberg are just sitting up there reading stuff. You know, there's there's one person probably cutting 50 videos for that show. I start off at thirty two thousand dollars a year at ESPN. Mm-hmm. And it was fifteen. Yeah, fifteen dollars and some change per hour. Yeah, calculate hourly, and you were. You hated working late, but you, the cool part was, well, at least I'm getting overtime. But it's so much. And like you said, it's, it's, it's chump change compared to Stephen A. You yeah. know, and Greeny and all of them. And, you know, don't disrespect. Just get cheese, man. I mean. Yeah. And there's no disrespect to them. No, but at the same time. Stephen A. was a legend in the, in the, in the writing game, you know, down in Philly. Mm-hmm. He's a legend, you know. Greeny was doing one of the. Biggest radio shows ever, not even just sports, ever. Yeah. I and, mean, and you still, but did you know the time and effort? And, um, you know, I worked on uh, Mike and Mike. We got there at 3 30 in the morning up. and, you know, to prep that show. And, you know, Greeny and Golik were coming about 5 30, you know, do their thing. And they had to show me is we didn't go to show me is I know the next class did, but. It's a lot of people working backstage. Um, and then even when you look in, I've done, um, so I've done like some contract sports work, right? Here in Baltimore. And one of the things is working outside in the cold. And, oh yeah, I've seen you holding the- um, Yeah, the parab. Yeah, yeah, out there for the Ravens. Watching you, the football team and uh, Ravens and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that stuff is heavy. And then you pack in the truck afterwards, you know? It's a lot of people behind the scenes that you don't see. And I remember thinking, I was like, it's still in 2020, take all this to, to show everybody to you. I mean, now people can just, you can we use cell phones now? Yeah, but can, it's, we just, can we just film, like, someone bring a phone? You have yeah. so many phones, you just cut stuff from phones? I don't know, it could happen probably. And those cameras are heavy and oh. packing it up. And it's a lot of people. And when it's cold and it's raining, you know, I, I, the Washington versus Dallas, the game that Andy Dalton got hurt when they laid him out. I was oh, yeah. soaked, <laughs> you know, Raven Steelers. I had on rain pants and I ripped them, you know, thankfully I had on jeans underneath, oh, no. you know, and, and I remember just sitting there and, and it's harder with, you know, it's obviously harder doing a Ravens game because yeah. you're watching your team and you, you're rooting, you know, you're not supposed to have me yelling, but right. you're like, yeah, come I mean, on. Yeah. You, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you I'd be screaming them. in control rooms when Florida State's playing. I don't care if we're on live TV or not. I'd be screaming. Yeah, and, and, and you can't, you know, as a sports person, you when you're working, you're not afforded that calm down opportunity. You aren't afforded, like, you know, um Ravens, uh Patriots, uh what's his name? Uh whoever he was, missed the field goal. It was a house, it was uh Cundiff. Billy Cundiff missed yeah. the field goal. I thought you were gonna bring Lee Evans. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. Um I had I was afforded to go in the basement and just calm down if i'm yeah. working i can't do that i gotta get back on it you know i watched game winning home runs against the orioles and i watched game winning home runs when john Scope hit home runs for it. so i gotta worry about the uh like the uh the king's magic game i can't work mm-hmm. oh no i gotta cut that De'Aaron fox 23 point highlight game i, I want to watch the rest of this game i don't want to watch that crap yeah man <laughs> that's that's what that's you know but see, now we laugh at it. We laugh back at it because even though you're in it and I'm not, you still laugh back at these stories that a lot of people don't um, 
mm-hmm. don't get. It's just it's just funny, man. It's just funny how we got to where we are, and uh, you know, yeah. shout out, shout out, um, Bear Smokehouse up in Hartford. I don't know if you guys listen to that, but that's a really good place. I okay. just want to give them a shout out. I don't know why. <laughs> I know people up there may be listening, and mm-hmm. you should go there, man. They make awesome food. Oh yeah, man. J Timothy's was my spot too. J Tim's was that wings over Bristol. You were, I never had wings over Bristol. I went to J Tim's. I did Bears a lot. I did. Um, I wasn't a fan of Max Pizza. Okay. I wasn't a fan of theirs, but uh, see, there are there. To be fair, there are really good places up there to eat. Yeah, it is, and it looks different, you know, from what I'm told. As far as Hartford, you know, they got the baseball field. It wasn't. I saw when they was building it. Yeah, because uh, my church it's that I went to. Huh? It's fun up there. I've been to a couple games. Um, okay. West Hartford still, you know, you got some good places out there to eat. You got some good places yeah. out there, but like I said, man, it's it's not um, not Baltimore. It's not New York City. It's not the harbor where it's mm-hmm. not. You know, it's Central Connecticut. <laughs> yeah it's definitely uh central connecticut but uh let the people know where they can find you man so they can tweet at you and they they can send charlotte flair to uh accept your yeah, well, apology uh at delmaro underscore j jd 7988 on um instagram um again serious note if anybody ever has to reach out and talk about anything you got anything going on you know you don't feel right you know dm me i'm always available to talk you know i let out a um I wrote about it a year ago, uh, 2020. Actually, I remember. I, second, I put a big Twitter thread up. You probably remember that, that big Twitter thread I put up. And uh, I have it um, pinned to my tweet, my Twitter. Um, you know, every a lot of people reached out and said the same thing. Like, hey, I've been going through this. Just always shoot me a DM if you want to. At Delmaro underscore Jake, D-E-L-M-A-U-R-O underscore Jake. Instagram, JD7988. You know, and I was, I was, pr- I remember texting you. I was proud of you. Because- yeah, I remember that. I mean, and, and you know, shout out to you for all you're doing, man. And just in general, man. I mean, like I said, we watch people from from the jump, and uh, now I see what you're doing. You got your family. You know, you, you took care of your family first. And thanks, man. I was looked up for you for that. You know that. You yeah, know I that? remember you. You know, um, before my daughter was born. And my son talking to you and saying, I'm going to have a little sister. You was like, you gave him, you know, he, he probably don't remember. He was like five. Uh, maybe he had just turned five. And he was like, hey, man, you're going to have a little sister? That's going to be pretty awesome. You be the best big brother you could be because I'm a big brother. And, you know, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you always remember when people treat your kids nice, man. You know, shout out to you, you know, Quincy uh, Young, you know, uh, you know, just so many great people. You know that you you meet and come across. Yeah, man, it's um, like I said, that's the blessing of working in certain places. You know, you meet certain people you never thought you'd meet, and uh, they end up being close forever. Hmm. So yeah, but man, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for no, coming on, bro. No doubt, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you know everything you do. You know, I'm getting down there soon. No doubt. Uh, cash and games. Yeah. Go to pick. I went to Pickles once. Pickles is awesome. I want to go to Pickles. Yes, they, they got good food. <laughs> yeah, we'll do anything, man. No doubt, we'll hit Omar up. Um, meet the see the kids again. It'll be fun. Yeah, definitely, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. It felt good to really connect with Jake. I mean, we talk through text all the time, but the one thing I love about doing this podcast is that. 
you know, verbal conversation and that verbal interaction. I told y'all I had a special announcement and it's simply that this is the end of season three. And I know it went by so quick, but I'm going to take a break. Um, I feel myself getting burnt out a little bit and you know, this is the 10th anniversary of the wrestling realm. So make sure y'all check out that show. Even if you're not a wrestler fan, we have some things in, uh, that you'll find entertaining, but I'm going to take a break after this for a month or two don't worry i still have plenty of friends that i want to share with the world so the podcast isn't going anywhere but in order to maintain uh, that high quality that you are used to i have to do some self-care and take a break and kind of slow down because i'm doing a lot of things so um make sure y'all stay tuned keep following me at brian h waters on all social media platforms keep supporting everybody if this is your first episode take this time to go back and binge some of the episode other episodes because it's timeless material and i have great friends now you may see an uncomfortable conversation pop up here and there because we know this world has been doing some crazy things so but stay tuned. So until then, folks, make sure you follow me at Brian H. Waters everywhere. Subscribe to the podcast. Drop me a five-star rating. And also visit my website at brianhwaters.com. And always remember, do not let anyone set up a ceiling that you can't break through. And remember, this podcast is brought to you by B. Waters Productions. And the music is produced by the one the only my little cousin hypno beats which you can find him on instagram at hypno underscore beats with a z so long everybody